Where Arts and Adventure summits the airwaves. This is the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. My name is R. Brandon Long. And this is Todd Oberndorfer. Uh-huh. The greatest co-host in all the land for the greatest podcast in all the land. Our guests this week, we have Aaron Adams, Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Northern Utah. I hear there's some drama going down, so we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit. And then we also have Amir Jackson, founder, director, Nurture the Creative Mind, and creative at now, which is, this is a good story, at Indy Ogden. So took that over not very long ago, and we'll dive into sort of what he's doing there and talk to Amir about being an artist and the art of being seen, which is cool. Uh, let's start off, Aaron, with you, um, because right now it's like 5.15 recording time. In about a 45 minutes, there's going to be a little meeting down at the city yeah. Concerning your, your state of affairs, as far as, um, and I've got the, the paperwork here. Got <laughs> the paperwork. So, WRCNU, which is the um, Wildlife Rehabilitation Center, Northern Utah. And your official role is what? I am a wildlife rehabilitator. Wildlife rehabilitator. Okay. So, this says, this is the letter from. It's official. It looks official. official. It's got it. It's got a letterhead and everything. Letterhead and everything. Yeah. Uh, and it's long. I won't read the whole thing. But we met with Ogden City Administrative Leadership Team, including Chief Administrative Officer Mark Johnson, City Attorney Gary Williams, and Director of Public Services Jay Ladder on Wednesday, April 12th. So it was about a month ago now. In this meeting, city officials offered WRCNU a possible extension of up to six months beyond our current deadline because you're getting booted from the facility. Is that yeah, correct? Right yeah. Now. Okay. And we'll, we'll dive into that here. Um, which, but Amir, did you print these t-shirts? Yeah. Our organization printed the t-shirts. Okay. And yeah. they are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did you, did you print them or somebody else? No, I did. You did. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So in the meeting, um, six months beyond our current deadline to vacate our facility contingent upon WRC and you finding a new building and beginning construction. So you got to find a new building and begin construction, yeah. which would be very difficult for WRC and you to do basically if we are <laughs> basically impossible, able to get this extension. So it'll allow you to continue and ensure that the animals currently in the care can be released or placed in an education facility and prevent un unnecessary euthanization of animals. However, it will not allow us to transition seamlessly and continue to accept patients, which means have you guys shut down at this point? We have, yeah. So what, unfortunately, we're just not able to take on any more new patients um, because of our tight timeline. Right now it is baby season, so most of the patients that we're taking in need months of care. And because September 6th is so far our deadline, we don't have months. We have like two months. <laughs> Okay, so you're northern Utah. So mm -hmm. so where's the next closest rehabilitation center in Utah? So the next closest one is down in Price. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah. It's not even close. No. Yeah. Okay. So, and then there's another one that is located in Mapleton, but she, only, she specializes. She only does birds of prey, mm -hmm. so she wouldn't be able to take in like a robin or a duck or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, that's it for northern and central Utah. Um, Best Friends Animal Sanctuary has a small wildlife rehab program. They're based in Kanab. That's it. Okay, so uh, you've been with them for how many years now? A lot. A lot. Um, like 10 plus? 
or like 20 plus oh oh yeah that's oh, a lot wow. okay yeah. yeah that's a lot so 20 plus years okay so and and the purpose here is to re rehabilitate uh, injured animals right yeah well okay. native wildlife specifically okay um there's a lot of places that do domestic animals things like ducks and chickens um, but we really focus on the wildlife things like sparrows um, robins ducks and geese but also birds of prey you know bald eagles mm -hmm. red-tailed hawks um, waterfowl like pelicans, herons, all sorts of ducks, wading birds. We do it all. Which is awesome. Now, yeah. do you get the call from somebody who finds, say, an injured animal? Is that how that works? Or Typically, yeah. So, I mean, most of the animals, I would say probably like 95 to 98% of the animals that we get in are brought in by the people that find them. You know, they pass them on the side of the highway or they see them hit the window or something along those lines and then they pick them up and they bring them in um i wish we had the resources to go out and do retrievals for animals because it would definitely be a big help to people to find them but we're just not able to offer that so most of our patients are brought in by the general public but you are an organization that's been around for what was the inception what was the how long has the group been around a while a while um, I don't know if I have meaning a long term yeah. part yeah. of the community. So, so we were, we were founded as our own organization in 2009. Okay. Um, but before that we actually operated, operated out of Ogden nature center. Um, and mm -hmm. Dylan ran that rehabilitation and their education program for a long time. Um, and then when 2008 hit and the recession hit, they actually basically just defunded the rehabilitation program. Um, and so we didn't, you know, we couldn't just let it go away. It was necessary in our opinion. So we took it and made it our own organization. And then in 2000, I believe it was 2010 or 2011, we moved into the building that we are now, which used to be the old Ogden Animal Shelter building. And we've been there ever since. Okay. And you've done some upgrades there. And we'll talk about that. How many animals do you, could you guesstimate that you treat in an annual period? Thousands. Thousands. Literally thousands. I okay. think last year we took in almost 4,000, like 3,600 easily. Um, and the number keeps going up every year. It's, so so without what you do, what happens? I mean, there's not really other options. Um, legalities aside, the knowledge that it takes to do wildlife rehabilitation, it's just such a vast field that people just don't understand what it takes. So... Unfortunately, most of the animals don't survive. Okay. So you save thousands of animals a year, mm -hmm. essentially. Basically, yeah. Okay. That's kind of the goal of our program. <laughs> okay. So the drama here is that you, and I, I didn't know you were at the uh, Nature Center to start. That's interesting. And then so you were a gifted space, or how did you how did you get the space that was the old animal shelter that's now next to the dinosaur park in Ogden? Um, so the biggest the biggest part of us getting that was the building was originally designed for animal use. Mm. Um, the Browning Family Foundation put in a lot of funding and a lot of thought and effort to make a building that they wanted to be used for animal welfare and for education. So when the Ogden City Animal Shelter combined with the Weber County Animal Services, a building that was made for animal use was left empty. And we got so incredibly lucky that we just happened to coincide in the timing. Um, we did spend a year in the old Brookside Animal Hospital building while we mm. kind of waited for everything to be settled with the animal shelter building. Um, and then we moved in. Um, and it was it was kind of a 
they still wanted it to be used for animals and for welfare and education. Okay, so I, I guess I missed originally. I didn't factor in the fact that this was a donated building from the Browning Foundation. They had a big part in it. Um, from my understanding, there was also public fundraising as well uh -huh. to make the building in the first place. Okay, so what's is this? Who owns it then? The city own it, or how, who owns it? I'm actually not 100% certain who owns it. I know. Well, I don't know, but I believe that the Browning Foundation kind of backed away from its use a little bit when um, Carol Conroy Browning um, passed away. Um, but we've had, you know, conversations with them, and they're definitely not happy about the direction this is going. Well, do you know, because um, you're not the director. You, Correct. You just work there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know, like, who the lease is signed with or anything? So it's technically a city agreement. Okay. So I guess that would mean the city owns okay. the building. Okay. Um, but it was, it was kind of a weird, like we don't pay rent. There's not an official lease agreement like that. Um, we did sign paperwork and they were very generous in donating the rent to us. So basically they said, you know, we'll donate you the use of the building for your needs, but you have to pay all the utilities and the upkeep of the building and stuff like that. Okay, and you've put in over the years, I've read, um, specific upgrades mm -hmm. for what you guys need, correct? Yeah, because even though the building was designed for animal care, it wasn't designed for wild animal care. It was an animal dogs, shelter. Dogs, so. cats. Cats and dogs mostly. Gerbils. Um, I don't know if they take in gerbils. <laughs> They're kind of small. I small don't know. Small little house I adopted a dog or two from the old yeah. animal shelter. Yeah, they were really Ger good Are gerbils wild originally? No, my point <laughs> is that they weren't wild. It's <laughs> <laughs> dogs and cats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, uh, all right. So Todd was offering some comedy relief. She's <laughs> trying to keep it going. <laughs> Why do you think we pay this guy? Come on now. <laughs> he gets the big bucks. Um, okay, so... So, so, okay, so then the story goes, and, and if I'm just a general member of the public, well, essentially I am here, so <laughs> you, you guys are getting booted from this particular place where you've been in business now for quite some time, and you've had this lease where you haven't had to pay, right? Right, um, and they have been, they've been very good to us up until now, up and until that's now. part of why this has come as such a surprise, okay. because we had yeah we were completely blindsided by all of this okay so uh, and, okay so then you have until september or something according Six. to the sixth yes. to 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 vacate right? completely you gotta yeah. get get all your stuff and go yep, home everything packed building empty keys handed over the works okay and then what happens what are they going to do with the building um according to the they plan, meaning the city right so they're going i i don't know if it's a gift or a purchase agreement or what's going on there but it will be dinosaur parks Okay. And then they're going to. Well, obviously they're going to mm -hmm. raise dinosaurs there from. Yeah. The plans mm -hmm. that they have drawn up, there's um, a little area labeled a hatchery. There's a I big told you. Lot. A hatchery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm telling yeah, you. The plot, the plot definitely. <laughs> for show. I'm not 100% certain what the hatchery will be used for exactly um, in the. We saw Jurassic Park. We've seen <laughs> it. starts oh. innocent enough. It does. It really did. Good intentions. Yeah. Good intentions. It always starts with good intentions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so they're expanding. Yes. Um, but when we when we got the news and at the city council meeting, their specific words were 144 parking stalls and a maintenance shed. Oh, okay. Well, that's different than baby dinosaurs. Right. Okay. So now that they've released these plans, it's it's a hatchery which could be like building the dinosaur models. I'm really not sure. 
Uh, and then did they suggest another place where you guys could move into? They're like, hey, we're going to do this dinosaur thing, but by, we got mm -hmm. another place down here y'all can borrow. Uh, they have not okay. actually done any of that. They've okay. kind of left us to our own devices. Okay, so the argument I'm hearing from the city side was that you guys knew all along that this was not going to be your property forever. That is what they're saying. And technically, the lease agreement that we signed, it didn't have an end date. Hmm. We were not actually told an end date. There was some question about when, when we first moved in, they were like, well, you're not going to be here forever, that kind of thing. And we approached Ogden City and Dinosaur Park and said, what is the actual deal? Um, there was some question about whether or not we were going to be paying rent. It was kind of up in the air for a while. And so we just approached them flat out and said, are we going to be here long term? Are we not? What is the deal? We never actually got a reply as far as I know, whether yay or nay or maybe or we'll see. It was just kind of left up in the air. Mm -hmm. So we assumed um, and then had been told that after a couple of years, you know, all of this fine print in the lease that we did sign um, would kind of go away. We'd just be grandfathered in. People would we'd just be in the building. Um, OK, so I guess your argument would be we're, we're saving animals lives here mm -hmm. and. We don't have to worry about that stuff right now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, and also, I mean, it was it was verbal. We were only told that verbally. Okay. Which is so technically the lease. Did you have a written lease? We did. Okay. Yeah, and we did sign it. Okay. Um, but we were verbally assured that it was not that big a deal. You know, all of that fine print is just something that Ogden City puts into all of their contracts. Like after a couple of years, everyone will just forget about it well, and you'll be there. Uh, very, very smart. But here's yeah, here's what I was that thinking. Was our mistake. When well Trust me. I know, but yeah. still, even as a homeowner, like mm -hmm. our our cousin our cousin up on eighty nine, right? Owns this house. <clears throat> Has a beautiful front yard with trees and everything. Well then like they decide we're going to expand 89 and all mm -hmm. of a sudden like you're staring at a brick wall and half your yard goes away. Like, the, like these things can just happen unless mm -hmm. you, and she owns her property, but unless you own it, then yep. own it on it, then you're subjected to anything can happen. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Even when you own it, you might just be borrowing it. You might just, yeah. Yeah. So it's better than not owning it. But well, here's, but, here's yeah. my big question about all this is being a resident of Ogden I mm -hmm. do know, and I would argue the fact that many people in Ogden love their animals more than their neighbors, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've said this before, yeah. like people's relationship with their animals uh, is very strong here. It's very strong here. And this is a story that we would collectively get behind mm -hmm. and, and do something about. This right. just seems like something that would just naturally A, happen and B, like we would feel very strongly about and probably could be very um, proactive about finding a new space if that was the answer or any number of things. And it seems a little bit more strategic on somebody's side that some of this information was kept quiet mm -hmm. um, up till kind of like the last well, minute. What we don't know is what's going on at the city. Like, right. I don't know. I don't, they're not here. Development? To, they're not here to, sure. I get, yeah. but, but the dinosaur park though, is it really bringing in all that? cash dino does park the, does well does some of the money from the dinosaur park go to the city like who owns the dinosaur park and it's a separate thing but it brings a lot of people to ogden i i don't i don't know park, these answers parking lots parking lots know. are yeah you know what we need parking lots everywhere except for the dinosaur park right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh but we, there could be a hero apparently the mayor the outgoing mayor 
is mentioned in this letter quite often saying that he could he could change it like he's like the sole voice that could actually like why is why is he so important and laid out in this letter as saying that if if Caldwell says no I don't want to do that then everything stops do you know well I mean mostly because he's the he's the one saying it's going forward Mm. city council doesn't want this to happen residents don't want this to happen we don't want this to happen but he's saying we have to be out Okay, but you don't know why exactly? Not exactly. Um, there's a million different theories. I Apparently, we're not the only nonprofit that he's kind of screwing over on his way out. So I don't know what that all ties into, but... Okay. Talk. Decisions catch up. Yeah. This is where we're at, though, and I'm so happy to hear, honestly, just to hear more about this story. I know surface information, so it's mm-hmm. nice to go a little bit deeper. Uh, what what can we do? What can our listeners do? Yeah, there's a list here. You know, at this point, yeah. what's, there what's is. Have we do have a little list. Yeah, you want me to read off the things? Yes, okay. because I can't remember all the. Okay, yeah. let's get to the good. What can you do? Okay, uh, it says we thank our supporters for everything you have done to help us. Please continue to contact the mayor's office at mycaldwell@ogdencity.com and Mark Johnson ogdencity.com and please share the story with your friends so everyone knows. I mean, I'll just I'll just offer Mike some more beer. Maybe that'll work. I don't I don't know what he's looking for, but uh, donations to aid and expedite the move. Because if you do find a place, you got to move fast, right? Fast. Through through Facebook, Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Northern Utah. So go ahead and like that Facebook page. Follow that Facebook page. Stay in the know of what's going on there. They do have a Venmo, WRCNU one, and a website, WRCNU.org. Um, Reach out to the mayor's office, follow on Facebook, like I just mentioned, sign the petition. Oh, there's a petition started. Yes. So that's on the website at wrcnu.org. And then share the story. So we're helping by sharing the story. Donations is what they need. So money always helps. Experts on social media. Who's your social media contact or, or is that you? Um. So right now it's actually Buzz for Facebook and he is very overworked. Um, okay. So he may not respond right away. Um, but yeah, right now, Buzz Marthaler is doing our Facebook outreach. I've seen some videos coming out. Those mm-hmm. were great. Yeah. Those really helped kind of tell the story. Right. Yeah. And right now, I mean, we do still have patients in our care that we're also having to work on. Yes. Um, we're still facing avian influenza, which never went away from last year. Mm. Um, so this is spring and summer number two that we'll be dealing with quarantine measures, um, from that. It's not a huge risk to people, but it's inc- it's just so deadly to birds. It has a 95% mortality rate. So if we get mm. an infected patient in or someone walks in the wrong path and then comes into the building, it could literally kill all of our patients. So we have to be so careful. And then if... So moving isn't... It's going to be hard because we will still have to keep that quarantine. Right. Um, even if we don't have any active cases that are in our quarantine rooms, there are still certain levels of cleanliness that we have to keep to keep everyone else safe. Did, did the avian flu knock out the dinosaurs? Could be. There's a million theories. Yeah. Was an yeah. yeah. At least that's what they told us. Yeah, it's <laughs> Well, now, the now they're saying, yeah. well, it's probably a combination, you know, maybe volcanic activity happened at the I same time. I would believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Could be just yeah. fires. No on reason the West for Coast. only one disaster to happen. <laughs> West at a time Coast after fires. All. Oh I don't know. These Canadian fires are just. Yeah, they're oh, killing us. Yeah. Now. Awful right now. Okay, so <laughs> I 
I support nonprofits strongly, um, particularly ones that are fulfilling needs that are not being met by another group, right? And so it's not like there is another rehabilitation group that also does what you do. And the fact that the closest one is so far away, um, this seems like something, I don't want to say no brainer, but this really does seem like something that we should fight stronger for. And if it's not in the current location, which would be ideal, then what's the option? A a new place. Right. So, I mean, ideally, they would be able to give us some more time, like five years would be nice. That would be, that would allow us to stay open, continue to accept patients while um, our plan is to do capital campaign funding um, to raise enough money to buy property and build a building. Um, because even if we do find somewhere quickly, we, to get a building comparable to what we're in, we will have to build it from scratch ourselves. Sure. There's that, not. That's a lot of, yeah, I was going to say, so what if there's someone listening who's generous and they have mm-hmm. some, they have an old building? What, yeah, what would you need to do to sort of make that into what you need to, to pass for now? Right. So there's, there's minimum standards that are laid out by the federal government as far as how big the cages need to be, Mm. what kind of substrate has to be in the bottom, the number of perches that the birds have to be able to use, um, what the walls and roof can be made out of, they're very strict. Um, So to to build something like that, we can, I mean, we have, you know, our dream plans for an amazing building, but it's just going to take so long to get there Um, And right now, because it's going to take too long and we just don't have that kind of time, right now we're looking for a temporary facility to just move into as quickly as possible and reopen for at least some kinds of animals as Mm -hmm. soon as possible. Um, And then we can start the capital campaign fund. You know, if I could say something, I want to piggyback off of what um, Todd just said about supporting nonprofits. You know, um, full disclosure, I support the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center, um, their mission and their efforts. Uh, It's certainly a need in the community. Uh, I am also uh, a friend and supporter of Mike Codwell, Mayor Codwell. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm seeing this from from both sides. That being said, my my, um, subjective um, but honest opinion is that nonprofits really are the culture of the community. Uh, If you look at um, the entertainment culture, uh, the activity culture, the resource culture within our community, um, the support culture, it's it's heavily nonprofit, Uh, whether it's the uh, Gold Foundation in the Marathon, it's Ogden Downtown Alliance when it comes to the farmer's market and other things, uh, the YCC, uh, uh, the the Children's Justice Center. Um, uh, the old St. Anne's, which is now um, something else, the homeless shelter. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Even, um, you know, the rock and forth. Uh, nonprofits are really doing the work in the community to create the culture in which makes this community a place people want to live. Um, so, yes, please uh, support your nonprofits. Um, they are making the community better. And the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center is another nonprofit in the community that needs support. Thank you, Amir. Very well said. Yeah, I want. I'd like to get Mike's opinion on what what's going on behind the scenes, like because there's got to be a reason, mm-hmm. right? So I just want to know what, like, have a beer with him. Like, Mike, do what's going on at the wildlife center? Like right. that'd be a good question to ask. You know, uh, how do you guys fundraise normally? 
Um, so, I mean, most of our operations are funded just by um, the people that bring us animals. They'll drop 5, 10, 20. Um, in, our, in our peak season, we're taking in 30 to 50 patients a day. Um, so it adds up. We also do yearly fundraisers. Um, we have a spring, we call it our baby shower. Um, early April or mid-April, we'll have like an open house. Um, we do like kids crafts and we get out our education ambassador animals. Um, and we just have people walk through the building, kind of see what we do. We have a little silent auction. Um, we've recently started, well, before COVID, we started a um, fall speaker series event, um, which is kind of a little more uh, fancy to do. Mm -hmm. um, we had him at the Timbermine Steakhouse mm -hmm. um, and we'd get a guest speaker and he'd, they'd come and, and give a little lecture on mm -hmm. what they do and, and that kind of thing, but haven't been able to do that for since mm -hmm. COVID. Well, you guys are clearly loaded now, right? Lots of money. Oh yeah, yeah. we're just as swimming. In it. As nonprofits typically. Are. Oh, yes. So I don't want I don't want to assume anything. But while we have you right here, I'm I would like a little clarification. I think that sometimes when it comes down to these things, it is nefarious reasons, right? And sometimes it is a lack of communication or mm -hmm. misunderstanding or or there's some sort of urgency on one side that doesn't make sense to the other side. Yes. Have you had a chance to talk to their sort of points of contact as far as filling them in with additional information as far um, as the urgency of this September date seems so soon? It really is. And technically, I mean, technically that's our lease. They, okay. the lease that we signed said that they would give us 180 days to vacate, which was whenever they decided. And then we would have those six months to be out. Um, but of course, that was the written, and then we were told, oh, don't worry about it, that's not gonna happen. Like, give it a few years, you guys will just be basically a permanent fixture, no one will even look twice, which was our mistake for not getting that in writing, but hindsight's twenty twenty. so. But do you feel that, even after the fact, that they are now informed about the length of what this would mm -hmm. take to, to transfer out of a space like that? Maybe for some reason they thought, 90 days would do it well that's that's well i believe our reality. original write-up of the lease was something like 60 or 90 days and we were like that is not gonna be even enough time to start anything like we need more time and then they rewrote it to have the 180 days and they were like well that's all like that's the longest we can do so we signed it fair enough all right so what can we do yeah other than what's on the list yeah, what can we do for you that's a good list but yeah how can we help you? Right. Um, 20 years plus. Oof. Nicely done. That's exceptional. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Well, I just started young is all. <laughs> um, but right now, our biggest, our two biggest concerns are finding a place to move into as quickly as possible and staying relevant in the public eye. Um, this could take a minute. We are hopeful to be able to reopen to take patients in in 2024, which we really really are pushing for that but right now we still don't have even a temporary place um there's a few places that we are looking into but the red tape is going to take a couple of months once we do find a place then we have to move in as quickly as possible and retrofit it for our needs which if we did you know depending on the length of time that we had we could do a lot we could do a little um but there are the minimum standards that we have to do in order to be able to take in specific animals um and unfortunately we're probably not going to be able to fully reopen we will probably be limited on what species we can accept because we simply don't have the enclosures to keep a pelican in you know 
a smaller space. We can keep one, just maybe just one pelican one. in our space. I, I drove home, drove the van actually down, down from the from Ogden, the start of the Ogden Marathon, and went up over Trappers, you know, to mm-hmm. get back to Ogden, and freaking bald eagle was flying yep. by. We and we were Canyon. Mm-hmm. I, I looked up. I'm like, there's no way. And I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, well, I don't know what else it would be. That thing's got to be a bald eagle. Yeah, there are, and they're, they're everywhere. Um, I was just up, uh, just past Morgan Canyon, and there was a nest, a bald eagle nest right off the side of the freeway. Two bald eagles perched on either side. Do you guys get eagles into your facility ever? We do. Oh, yeah. Okay. We actually just released a golden eagle um, oh. that had gotten into a fight with another golden eagle. As they uh, do. Turf yes, wars. Yeah. Turf wars. Um, <laughs> But he was, I mean, he was in pretty rough shape. He was, mm-hmm. they crashed into the ground, we assume. Um, the person that originally found him and then called the division to come and pick him up assumed that the one on the ground was dead mm-hmm. because he just was not moving. Um, and that the other one must be severely injured because he's not flying away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they went out to go pick him up, the one that was standing took off and left the one on the ground and he wow. couldn't he couldn't imagine coming across that scene yeah right. you know wow. i wonder brandon did you hear yeah. the star spangled banner as you were like when you saw this bald eagle were you feeling patriotic at the moment i i often do but also about an hour and a half to two hours earlier i was in charge of pressing the play button of the star spangled banner boom for, for the start of the Ogden Marathon. And there's been time, I mean, it's beautiful at the start of the Ogden Marathon. If, if you haven't been to the start, um, sign up next year, do the full. But uh, it's the sun comes up in the in the valley there, you're you're close to Kazi, and there's been times when like the birds will fly through where the sun's shining through. And, the, and this time um, we did not have a singer. Usually there's a singer, so I just had it on a, a Spotify and I just push play. And the singers, and I introduce it, and the flag is flying, and I'm like, I get the chills because it's just <laughs> it's just sure. a beautiful moment, you yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for asking. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think I, I think, think retelling the story that's is crazy. Story. Yeah. I think yeah. keeping that in front of our faces is very very important, and I think also making that comparison because it's hard to know the intricacies of being sort of displaced and removed from a location, right? And so. That to me would be just like, oh, just please let that happen, right? Right. But if that does not happen, then it's just this time frame seems like something that just these animals are so important to us collectively. And especially if there is any chance that this place that saves thousands of animals ends up as as parking spaces or mm-hmm. sheds or something, like that's gonna really hurt. Yeah. Um if it's if it's something where this urgency is just not Mm-hmm. as necessary as somebody thinks it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, there's always more to stories. I assume right. that there probably is on that side as well. But at the same time, I'm just like, nope. Yeah, I support really the animals. Make, it, do, it really doesn't make very much sense to me as far as the reasoning behind it. Um, you might not know the actual reason. Yeah, I don't I don't think I do. Well, they may not know the reason. They might think <laughs> that they could, it needs to happen like this, and maybe yeah. they do have some more extra time. So have you thought about calling um, you know, your parents' house, the, the Ogden Nature Center, and like, can we come back and room with you for a little bit and, and maybe hang out until we find a place? Right. So, again, the problem is that there's really not room for us there anymore. When we were there, we only did – I mean, we were still – I believe we were still the largest rehabilitation center in the entire state. We only did five, 600 animals a year. Um, So we were a lot smaller back then. 
there's yeah we couldn't squeeze in very okay. easily oh, fair enough. Like this is what happens you get too good at what you yep. do <laughs> we, well when we get settled in we have a beautiful ten thousand square foot building yeah. it's gorgeous property so many old growth trees um we have outdoor enclosures for the animals that are almost ready to go but need some time just to kind of get their wings back under them like we're we're a lot bigger now so yeah of course. and our goal is to expand our goal is to come back from this and be twenty thousand square foot building i see good do. things i'm going to be positive i think yeah. in the end it'll be good this sounds like a silly question but i'm on, honestly curious do you have animals that you've saved that come birds that come back and see you um we've had a couple of suspicious return patients okay ones that we can't necessarily like yeah this is definitely the same bird but it's like hmm <laughs> he looks really familiar yeah 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 okay just curious all right, good stuff. Uh, I think you represented really well, and nice shirt, Amir. Uh, nice very, work. very, very well. Uh, you're a great ambassador. Mm -hmm. Thank you. A thousand percent. Do this as much as you can. You have a really great voice. Oh, thank you. For this, it's super well spoken. Just you could tell the passion that you have behind it, and so I think that. I think that's when you said that when that was listed. Uh, as far as just reminding people, because yeah. our cycle of information is yeah. sometimes very, very short. Yeah. Um, I know how aggressive this community got with um, Jake's over the top. Yes. Is, and they sell shakes that. and burgers, yeah. right? Yep. Um, this is thousands and thousands of animals every year. And so well, I and just know not, what we're capable of. Right. And it's not even just the animals, but when people find these creatures that are hurt, you know. Yeah, where you go? What do you do for them? People innately want to take care of things and they want them to get the help and they want them to get better. Yep. We found owls. We found, I think everybody lives in a mountain town is right. <laughs> at some point or another had an encounter with an animal. Mm -hmm. um, anyway. Yeah, I would, I would second or third, whatever it is at this point. Um, I, I think that you are even a better ambassador and spokesperson than the executive director would be. Because oh no, don't tell her that. Now I'm going to have no, to do no, all of the interviews. Because you're removed, <laughs> right? Like you're, you're a product of this just as the um animals are you're like a living product as a young person you came up through this um uh, uh what would you call it? system right mm -hmm. i think that you're, you're a great and you're easy to listen to um 100 mm -hmm. well thank you but you can share the work with her if you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. i think get in front of as many microphones or people or groups as you can yeah for sure yeah uh amir jackson founder, Nurture the Creative Mind. Um, you know a little something about nonprofits and, and selling your vision to, to the people who need to hear it. Uh, how did you learn that? Um, you know, I think that uh, for me, the nonprofit world um, was happenstance. I, mm. I was passionate about what, um, you know, young people, inspiring young people, helping them uh, develop some self-value based on my own um, backstory. And um, I just, I started doing it. I started um, working with young people uh, for that those specific purposes. Um, and then one day someone was like, hey, you need to start a nonprofit. Mm. Uh, and so I did. And, and to be honest with you, I've, I've, I'm still learning. I haven't really learned. Wait, wait you that. didn't have all the answers? No, I, st I still <laughs> don't know. Um, and, and a lot of, uh, I guess, the knowledge that I have 
uh, is based off of mistakes that I've made. Oh, amen to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got a quick question for you, uh, kind of follow up to that. Try to take yourself back to before you started the nonprofit. What was your preconceived notions of nonprofits? What were your thoughts about how they ran, what they did better than for-profits, what they could do that for-profits couldn't? What were your thoughts on nonprofits? I, I didn't know what a nonprofit was. Fair. <laughs> I, I had no clue what a nonprofit was. I think that um, as I began to understand nonprofits, I can I can say that I thought nonprofits were like the United Way, uh, churches, the Red Cross. I didn't recognize or realize um, how many organizations and um, were nonprofits, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's because I didn't have a business background. Um, I didn't come from a business background family. I didn't have a business education. Um, so for me, businesses made money. That was the purposes of businesses. And then anything else was just charity. And I didn't necessarily understand the business behind charity. Mm. Well, some businesses don't even make money, but that's another yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Amir, what what is your... What is your goal in life? Yeah, man, um, that's a great question. Um, my goal is to leave a positive legacy. I hope to, to live a life um, that um, I hope to live a life of, of meaning and prosperity. I hope to live a life uh, that uh, the uh, the message left behind is that you can do good, be a good person, and you can live well. Um, I would like to be able to accomplish those things, that it's not an either or, that you aren't, uh, either you make money um, or you do good. Um, I, I, I would love to accomplish, in order to leave a legacy, I would have to accomplish that for myself. Um, and so I, I hope that at some point in my life, I am able to accomplish um, uh, that goal and that be the legacy that I leave so that other people want to do good um, in their community, knowing that they don't have to sacrifice living well to do so. And so as you've come up with that goal, how it's gotten stronger, I'm sure that's changed through the years. But if, if, it feels very strong right now when you're saying it. So what what directions have you changed to sort of to satisfy that goal? Like what have you recently started to do differently? How are you doing the same things? Um, has it really changed all that much? Is it just a mental thing? No, I think that, um, you know, that's a really great question. Um, I'm loving these questions, by the way, uh, because it, it, it's, it's forcing me to reflect and it's, it's also forcing me to be true and honest to some of the self-conversations that I've had um, over the last like few months, maybe year, I, I would I would say that it, it is a mindset, but there are certainly um, changes uh, that have um, that I am adopting um, to support that mindset, and 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 some of those changes are just understanding that um, I have value and that I myself am not a charity, um, that I I work for a charity. But and and I'm the director of a charitable organization, but I myself am not a charity. I need that T-shirt. I am not a charity. Yeah, and 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 I th- I think I've lived. Um, I I've, I felt that um, I wasn't being true um, or authentic 
if um if i invited um uh, you know financial freedom into my life you know a friend of mine um a mentor an elder she said amir you have romanticized poverty that you believe that by being poor that makes you uh more authentic um, was, was that tough to hear i mean that's a pretty real statement to you yeah it it, it this was this was some years ago um it, it was it was tough to hear, but to be honest with you, I already knew it. Mm. You know, yeah. like um, I, I I understood it. Um, so she wasn't telling me anything that I didn't know. She was just giving it to me straight. Is that a coping mechanism? What is it settling with where you're at? Sort of, you know, like like well, you know what? I don't need all. I'm happy with what I have. You know, I don't. Poverty is cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that um. If you, you know, there's a lot to that. I would say that um, the coping mechanism, possibly. I think that for me, it was um, I didn't. I'm I'm a director of a nonprofit organization that is intent on helping people, specifically young people, see their value, and um, I poured, and still do poured myself into that. And the reason why is because I needed it myself, mm. right? And by seeing these young people grow and believe in themselves um, and not necessarily just be told that they were valuable, but for them to see it, it be demonstrated, um, was a way for me to feel fulfilled, right? And for me to find value. What I realized is that in, in order for me to um, actually uh, live um, and be true to the mission, completely um that i'm the missing piece like you know i'm the last person to mentor i'm the person that i need to now um invert my intention um uh, to so that i can become the symbol rather than the young people in our organization being it so i've always had uh, respect for elders you know i think they're they're pretty smart people um and i'm sure you do too but what did what did the kids have? Like they were teaching you stuff that you weren't getting from the adults in the room. Um, uh, purity. Um, they they had purity, and they had um, their um, kids give without necessarily expecting anything in return, right? So it's um, there's a it's a a safety. I don't feel used, you know, by them. Um, and so I think that it was a, a it was just a safety and comfort is what they had. Um, trust um, is what they had. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, like I, I you know, I mentioned um, briefly there there was a backstory. Like um, working with kids, it's very kind of wild, man. Um, and I think anybody who uh, has children have actually like children of their own um, can kind of understand this. Uh, raising your children in some ways and loving them and caring for them in some ways can be raising, loving, caring for the child in you. You know what I'm saying? So I think that the, uh, the young people, uh, what they gave me was an opportunity to, um, to, to heal the child um, within me. When you hear, uh, People say, well, I don't want to have kids. What, what's your thoughts on that? 
I think that if you don't have want to have kids, don't have them. Okay, that's my thought. I think it also <laughs> goes both ways, and I think that all of the good that you're passing on to the kids, you're also passing on all of the all the shit, all the things mm-hmm. that you didn't deal with that now they're going to have to deal with at some point or another. You know that that whole inner child thing. I feel very strongly about that and how true that is. These certain things that you don't check off as a child in some sort of healthy way you most likely didn't get it from your parents because they didn't get it from their parents and they didn't mm-hmm. get it from their parents and it mm-hmm. and it does continue and continue and continue. And so I think you can do both. I think you can inadvertently, you know, give your kids a lot more work to do, let's just say. Um, you're going to do both. Uh, <laughs> well, it, no. it, you're going to do both. It's not yeah. a you may or it's possible guaranteed fact. You're going to love them and you're going to give them some shit. Well, our, my point is, is that I appreciate hearing a parent talk about that. Yeah. yeah. And not just blindly going into it, passing on their shit um, mm. to their kids. And I think that that, that happens. I think that we're in 2023. I think that hopefully 23... We're having more and more people give these things some thoughts, you know, as far as just sort of blindly passing on some of those traits. Anyway, I appreciate you saying that. Hey, thank so you. I want to pass on and on. kids these days are so smart. I, I don't know why I think every generation's smarter than the one before it, but they are good kids. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, yeah, I think that they're great. They're great kids. We had a... Um, one of our kids, um, you know, lied to us today. And so, yeah, when you say that right now, we're dealing with some other stuff. But that yeah, never goes great. away. I'm here. <laughs> uh, OK, so we were talking before the podcast about, I mean, you're involved in quite a few things. And so I think I said, if you sit next to someone on the airplane and they ask you what you do for a living, how do you answer? But what I want to know personally is if you consider yourself an artist. Absolutely. OK, why? Of what? I, 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 you know, I'm going to say this. Um, this is me owning my value. I think I am the greatest type of artist. Um, I don't have a singular discipline. I approach life in an artistic way. I mean, you were you were posting photos of, of chopping wood, which I respect and I love to do, but it's really actually really hard work. And uh, I'm like, he's an artist in all things. You're an artist in the way you stack the wood for crying out loud. Uh, Look yeah, nice. You. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, I just approach life. I believe. Listen, the the organization is called Nurture the Creative Mind for a reason. I believe in living your life creatively, mm-hmm. um, and for a lot of reasons, health reasons. Um, uh, but I just believe that society is better because of creativity and creative-minded individuals. I have a um, quote hanging in um, our studio that that states that if it were not for creativity, we would all still be dragging our knuckles. I I believe that. I believe evolution is a creative mindset. And so I just live my life creatively and artistically. Um, And if you were to ask me that question five years ago or six years ago, I would have told you no, um, uh, because I didn't see myself as a the best poet or the um, best painter and because of that those very specific definitions i did not see myself as a creative person or an artist that being said i now understand after years of working with other people who don't necessarily define themselves in those very small boxes um, but are some of the most creative people i know that yes i am an artist and i am a creative person for sure well I mean, it's twenty, like you said, Todd. It's twenty twenty three, and being a creative is a buzzword now. I'm like, my life is a creative. I think it's been bastardized a little bit. I don't know if um, you 
can be a creative in a lot of different ways. I yeah. Suppose. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, it does mean something different, I think, to everybody. You know, yeah. my time I spent at Weber working with uh, art students, right? And so that was very focused. But to tell you the honest truth, I think the most satisfying part of being involved with that during those times I were there, I was there, is is everything that went along with focusing on being a creative. And that wasn't learning how to draw or paint or sculpt or any of that stuff. It was learning how to deal with problems and deal with difficult situations and learning how to zig and zag rather than just blindly going in this line because mm-hmm. you're just so afraid to do really do anything else or you want so badly to maintain the sameness in a world that is constantly not the same, right? Mm-hmm. And so we call them uh, sort of soft skills, you know, to some degree at a university. But to me, that, you know, anybody that was going through the art programs, if they had that and if they could vocalize what that meant, then it was truly a useful experience being in school, right? And I think that that's what sets them up for, you know, a career in the arts is great, but literally anything else that you have kind of that comes in front of you. And that's, to me, that's a creative too, you know? And so I think it's a really loose definition being an artist and creative, and they do throw around creative a lot. There's no question about it. But to me, it still means nothing but good. It just means that, you know, we have another difficult situation that comes around, you know, rather than getting stuck in this blackness of it. You're able to kind of look around that or try something new. Anyway, I think everybody's got their own definitions. I'll bet you have your own definition as well. Well, I think everybody's creative somehow. Sometimes some people are creative in math. Some people are creative in arts. Some people are creative in the way they approach life. Some people are a lot of different creatives. Some people know how to express it. Some people don't. But I believe that everyone has that creativity in them. I agree a thousand percent. And I think that this... You know, I, I know that creative is a buzzword, but these kind of conversations are um, necessary because um, these kind of conversations that bring universal, like a universal thought process to creativity is what is going to help bring value to creativity. You know, when when I was in high school, I didn't take art classes, so I didn't consider myself an artist, right? I didn't, I couldn't draw a portrait or I couldn't paint anything uh, uh, beautiful. So I didn't consider myself an artist. And I think there was a lot of people who fell into that same, um, um, uh, that, that, that same void, that same hole. And so these people end up becoming politicians. They end up becoming, um, congressmen and, and, and others who, because they didn't take an art class, they don't necessarily see value in art right? And so they take it out of schools. But if we would help them understand that they too are an artist, they too are a creative person, that they express themselves differently, maybe they would find value in creativity. We wouldn't have to actually uh, prove it to them. It would be inherent within them. And so I think that these kind of conversations are very, very necessary for us to broaden the umbrella so that we can actually bring larger value to what creativity is and being an artist is. It's incredible how shallow and how short the definition of being an artist is. I mean, my whole life, any anyone that has been sort of in that lane, in that in artist lane most of their life, right? How many times does it come up? You know, I, I love what you do without knowing what I do. I couldn't draw a picture to save my life. I'm like, well, me neither. Like, I don't do that. <laughs> For but, sure. but that has been 
you know, that's been my 50 years. That's been probably my parents. I mean, who knows how long ago this goes back, but this is a definition that is just, it's so wrong. It's just wrong. I agree. It's so, it, it, it really does need to be redefined. And well, it's and amazing it, that it still applies. When it's used, it's flippant in, in it, but really underneath the surface of that comment, it's true. In other words, um, I like basketball. It's a, NBA pl- uh, playoffs right now, and people will say, "Let's go Lakers! Let's go Lakers!" <laughs> uh, good, good luck, Amir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're uh, they'll say things like, you know, so and so is an artist with the ball, but it's in passing, like it's a comment. But Absolutely. then they'll throw that out there, and I'm like, actually, he is an art. You know what I mean? Like that's that person's art is that he's really good at it. And can we can we just uh, you know that was a great point, Brandon. And can we just acknowledge? that when we say that, we're saying that that person is special. They are unique. They stand out from the crowd. Anytime you use the word, that person's an artist when it comes to cooking. That person is an artist when it comes to landscaping. You're saying that this person is above everybody else. We understand that that word has like actual value. You are different, you're unique, and you are special. I need to hear you say that like again and again, even as an adult, because it, it feels good <laughs> to hear it. No, it genuinely does because I immediately want to be humbling. It's like there's something about being an artist that also you sort of innately, I don't know. Well, there's a lot that? of us is that, that are our, quiet. Is that our culture or something? What did we do? Where'd we go wrong, Amir? Like, what did we do to where the, the is, are we buying too much into like the, the poor artist and we got to be the poor artist? Yeah, I think that's a problem. I think that um, <laughs> if 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 that is how we view our and categorize ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's this title of a poor, poor, starving, starving art- artist. Yeah, right? that's like, that's it, starving artist. Yeah. Like, um, which is really wild. That means you are literally conditioning people that if you aren't starving, you're not an actually an artist, mm. right? Like, you're not a real artist. Real artists are broke. Real artists do it just for the art, the purpose of art. They don't. But, they but don't, when Green Day makes the hit, you know, and then they break out the mold, now they sold out. They sold out. They're not. A, they're not an artist. They're not real anymore. Not anymore. They're but you make anymore. such a good point because even working, you know, at the the art department, uh, there is definitely the association. And I don't think for a second that every artist needs to go to an art school. But there is also that. Uh, association made about an artist where, you know, you know, I'm self-made, I'm self-taught, you know, you're not a real artist because you went to school, Mm. that you had those extra opportunities. You're not a real artist for going through those ways, you know? Mm. I'm like, well, that's, that's not right either. Yeah. We do it to ourselves basically. Right. Like, like we're, we're the gatekeepers. Artists are the gatekeepers to what is an artist or what isn't. And we are also the judge and jury. Right. And so that means that and I think kind of understanding that formula, uh, there's a solution there. We have to start speaking differently about ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to stop judging people based on some arbitrary um, definition um, that keeps us from embracing people outside of that space. Um, we actually have control of defining, redefining what an artist is and then bringing value to a larger level. This is this is a great conversation because I just keep getting these thoughts. It's funny how I think of it a little bit like a canary uh, in the coal mine type of thing where to some degree 
because this we're this taking place right in the middle of the Nine Rose Creative District, and so this is a good example to me where there's certain people in the community that wants this canary and this it, they want us to they want artists to go into the neighborhoods that I don't want to go into that neighborhood. I don't walk around. I don't want to live in this neighborhood. But artists will do it because mm. they. A, you know, it's a little more affordable. They're braver than the rest, which I'll be honest, our artists are often braver than others. And so there is some value when you need that. When you need artists to move into a neighborhood, um, you know, that let's let's call this a creative district. Who do we want in the neighborhood first? We want, we want an artistic crowd. We want to define an area in that sort of capacity. And so there is value there. It, until they get priced out, and that, that that's the <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. That's so, I mean, there's. Let's be very clear. Developers understand the value of artists. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. They understand. We have partners with many. Clear. Yeah, hmm. yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Amir, how did how did you get to Ogden? I was in the military, so I was stationed at Hill Air Force Base um, for four years, and then. Um, you know, like I just stayed close after I got out, um, lived in Layton for a little bit, and then I went to Weber State, and you know, Ogden became home. Well, we're we're lucky to have someone like you here because you take chances, uh, and you're not afraid to to be you and to try new things, and that's um, that's you know, there's a lot of people in in this town, and so you're and you're one of the you who started a nonprofit and then and have done other things on top of that. So, um, is, why did you, why did you feel that that was necessary, and then and why did you stay here in Ogden? You know, um, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I will say that I'm not sure that I'd be the person I am today if I had stayed home. Hmm. If I had stayed back in New it, York, yeah, New York is home. Yeah, Rochester. Um, you know, it's easy to take chances when no one has expectations of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like in, in Utah, nobody knew who I was. It's kind of nice sometimes. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I was able to define myself mm. and I could redefine myself. Right. Um, and really, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but back home, you know, you have friends, you have uh, family who they know you as a certain person. It would have been difficult. I'm not saying impossible, but it would have been difficult to take chances in New York. It was easy to take chances here. Um, this was this was a uh, fertile ground for 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 chances. Um, so I appreciate the 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 call out on bravery. Um, I guess I can understand how it appears that way, but it really was easy. Um, it was an easy thing to do um, for me. I just uh, I, I, I didn't see it as a difficult road whatsoever. I just saw it as nothing but like a blank slate. And the, yeah, just a blank slate and uh, uh, and fertile ground. That's it's how almost, I looked at it. You really get to dive into who you are on the inside because you're somewhere where nobody knows you and you can just be you, which is nice. For sure. Now, I, I will say that that was you know, 16, 17 years ago, um, at this point, if I were to... Oh, we all know you now. Yes. <laughs> now, if I were to redefine myself now, there does take a bit um, of courage to do that. Um, and, and I will say that I am in a space currently 
where I'm redefining myself. And um, I, I love it. I think that it's going to um, it, it's it's going to be exciting. Um, but it's going to shake some things up. A hundred percent. And it's going to um, be upsetting for some people. It's going to be exciting for others. And, you know, I love the fact, I love the fact that I'm in a space that I don't care about either. Mm. I'm doing what I want to do. Mm. I'm doing what I believe in. Um, and I'm doing something for me. And and so, like, uh, this next, like, iteration phase um, is certainly um, going to take some courage. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited. Bro, yeah, I'm, get, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Like, just that, I'm excited. Now, are you talking about indie? No, I'm talking about life. Okay. I'm Professional breakdancing? It, it's possible. <laughs> Yo, I got to... talking about beatboxing earlier. So. <laughs> Yo, I actually did have a dance group in high yes. school. Though. Oh, I, I did. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I want those videos. Yeah. <laughs> I, wish we had, I wish we had the, uh, like, the phone, too. camera phones <laughs> back then. Yeah. I did, like, I straight up... Mrs. Wells' class, me and my Miss, friends. Shout out to Miss Wells. Mrs. Wells, she let us practice in her room, mm. and we practiced to like um, it was Jodeci, right? Mm. Oh, we're getting we're getting sexy. Yeah, it was yeah. real sexy. I'm yeah. telling you right now, it's mm -hmm. not something that would be approved right. today. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> like sincerely. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, it's a, yeah, the b-boy thing. Jodeci was the makeout music. Man. Oh, forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, forget about it. It was a rap. You put Jodeci on. <laughs> You already knew. Oh, you already knew. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about indie or what you're doing there? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, Indie Ogden has been a staple within the community uh, for some time. I, I don't know exactly how long, 10, 12 years. Michaela started Mikaela it. started uh, it. About, yeah, about 2012, somewhere okay. around 14, somewhere around there, I think. I mean, it was pretty, she's been involved for a long time. For sure. And I, what I love about Indie Ogden, because after Michaela, um you know, she started it. Um, she put her personality into it. Um, and then she passed it on to someone else. Uh, his name is uh, Dan Matthews. And Dan took it another direction. And so I, I will say this like straight up, like outrightly, that right now I have it. But I think that there has been a... Um, a like you own the brand. Yes. Okay. So but I think it's important to state that because... The Michaela had it. She passed it on to someone else, right? She didn't let it just dissolve. Dan had it, and he passed it on to someone else. Me, um, he didn't let it dissolve, uh, and now I have it. There, there's a pattern, and I believe a culture that's been created that um, Indy Ogden is a part of the community. Yeah, what, right? how would you define that culture? Um, you know the well, the culture of uh, what I experienced with Michaela and Dan is is one of um, non-ownership it's it's we have it for now but it belongs to the community mm -hmm. so if we're not here we're going to give it to someone in the community or if we're not doing it um if you're not doing anything with it we're going to pass it on so i have a responsibility um I, I believe and i feel like i have a responsibility to to own that as well so if i move on from indy ogden i'm going to pass it on to someone else and not give them a uh, a roadmap to what I expect them to do, but let them do what 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 they want to do with it. And so, what you would, Indy Ogden has been is different than what it was three years ago. It's different now than it was ever. And um, I believe that it's just going to continue to evolve because it will always have someone else at the helm, um, and that person putting their uh, personality and identity onto it. 
I find that fascinating, and I think that's awesome. One of the first things you're doing is, is it the art of being seen? The art of being seen, yeah. yeah. The idea behind, behind the art of being seen is that everybody wants to be seen. Mm. Um, we all want to be valued. We all want to be um, validated. Um, and this uh, series is, a, um, is an opportunity for people to be seen. Um, there's, there's a, a, right now we're doing um, candidates for mayor. Um, I'm actually traveling to New York next week uh, to uh, film my grandmother telling stories of her childhood um, and, you know, experiences that she had. Uh, so that's going to be an episode. Um, and then we have an episode coming up in a few weeks. That is a um, it's a really special episode. And I'm, I'm giving secret sauce here and let it be known that if anybody else does this, it listen, this was something that started here. Let it be known like here, like on with you, period. Yeah. OK. Yes. Okay. Um, this is an episode where there's a mother daughter and uh, the daughter is going to be interviewing. Um, I have coached the daughter um, to interview her mother and ask her mother questions that she always wanted answers to. So you'll be able to, um, and so in that episode, the mother will be given a chance to be seen by her daughter and her daughter will be given a chance to be seen by her mother. So this is really the, um, the core um, of of the and it, so it won't necessarily be the same each episode. Each episode will be different, but all of the episodes um, will be about the person being interviewed having an opportunity to be seen. So, our video, audio, like what are you calling this? Um, it's going to you know I don't necessarily know what to call it. It's going to be on social media, um, so it'll be on uh, uh, excuse me Instagram, TikTok. Um, those are the easiest for me currently, you know, with bandwidth. That being said, I do expect at some point we will expand to YouTube channel as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was supposed to ask you how to make a living as an artist. Yeah, man. <laughs> Listen, we we went down the path. We went down the path that was organic yeah. and authentic. I'll dig it. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I got. Todd, you good? I think the answer is is that we're still figuring that out to some we, degree. We are, but well, but we are certainly prioritizing that. Yeah. I am. There's yeah. I mean, that's why I love talking to you about these things because that's a big part of my new job is how to survive. Right now I'm looking it's funny because I've got some workshops coming up this next month uh, that I'm gonna do through the Salt Lake City Arts Council and it's about how to survive as an artist, right? And this is where I feel comfortable saying that word survive right now. Oh, I would I love to very quickly survive's a rough word. <laughs> I would love to quickly uh, change that survive to thrive. But I think that maybe right now where I'm at, where we're at, I think survive is probably a good word. But it also means that there is a lot that artists need to learn as well. And these are things that maybe we've picked up on, you know, trial and error and bombed at and mm -hmm. writing a business plan. This is, you know, finding funding. This is legal issues and being an artist, right? These are some of the topics that I've chosen. And I think that the list goes on and on. It is not easy to be a professional artist, and we, I think we all know that. I think that's uh, why it's probably the most rewarding and the hardest job. It's got to be one of the hardest jobs. Like it's uh, the persistence of being an artist is like, you know, it's 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 something. It's grueling. <laughs> grueling is a good word for it. Yeah. yeah, but but it's but you love it. I love it. Well, I I think with a lot yeah. of artists, there's not necessarily 
anything else you could see yourself doing. I, I do love the fact that I'm going to quickly go back to what I said before, and that's the, the ability to, to zig or zag or to evolve or to roll with these punches and not do the same exact same thing again, right? And so I do know how to counter a, a no and kind of how to kind of skirt that and change that and go around that. And so the artist that I was is certainly different than the arts administrator I am now. I'm still an artist, but uh, I have found a path where I can advocate for artists, and that's incredibly satisfying. That might even be more satisfying, and I can reach even more artists than just me. Um, and it, of course, it it heals my own inner mm. artist child that mm -hmm. we are all constantly trying to do as well. And so I think the more you help others, the more you help on yourself. We know that. 100%. Yeah. Doing for others is one of the most selfish things you can do. I just saw this, I just discovered this new Finland comedian, and he's like, how come Americans never answer with like, yes, the, yes, they just say like things like percentages, like 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, well, that's true. I say it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100. Uh, Amir, please allow me to uh, summarize, and you can, you can add, but I feel like the lesson here is for artists and uh, becoming an artist is to please be confident in your value and that and that artists are valued at a much higher level than I think the um, the the trending uh, culture has portrayed it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that it's a uh, um, an an artist. It it starts with um, self value. This is what I would say. If you are an artist and you are struggling with finding your pathway to financial happiness, start with establishing your own self-value. Start there, go internally. It's not the external world, right? Because there are people out there that are asking for $50,000 for the thing that you just did for 500, mm -hmm. right? So start internally establish your value and believe it i think that that's where it starts i love it i love it so much todd anything did you have anything in arts news no no i'm no. good right now yeah. really want to thank amir thanks for spending your time with us here yeah today. absolutely Appreciate great it. Uh, and aaron with um wildlife rehabilitation center of northern utah good luck aaron i thank hope you, you have a, a new home soon yeah, or, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you to Bandy and One for powering today's episode of the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. Listen and subscribe to Ogden Arts and Adventure on YouTube. Look for us on Facebook as well, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, The Bandy Collective, uh, and on Podbean app for Android and iPhones. You can DM us if you want to be on the show, and it works. We've done it before. They just reached out to us, and we just said, come on the show at Ogden Adventure. This week's Outdoor Jukebox. Let's go with a little Grand Prix, shall we? These guys are going to be opening. I was just listening to them before this show. Were you? Yeah, right yeah, on. Like, I'm just her... Her look when she's in front of that microphone is just like it just melts and then this voice comes out. Yeah. But there's this humility of age as part of it, too. And it's just like she was so shy that night in our space and hanging yeah. out with us. And that is endearing to me. But then the confidence in front of that microphone, the whole experience, that was a great van session. I said, are you are you cold? She goes, she goes, no, I'm 
just shy. <laughs> and they were kind of both portraying the same yeah, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a beautiful night, and this is a great song. Uh, Reset by Graham Prix on Van Sessions at the Monarch. We will catch you on the next Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. Grand Prix on Van Sessions.